Welcome to the NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by our beat reporters, Tom Timmerman in St. Louis, and all the way from Edmonton in quarantine, preparing for our heroes to land in Alberta, Jim Thomas. Start off with JT, how you holding up in isolation? So far, uh, pretty good. As the days uh, mount up, I'm, I'm, I'm getting kind of a more and more of an urge to, 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 to move around. Uh, I, haven't been, I haven't been outside the room since Sunday. And, uh, you know, I think the schedule, my schedule will lighten up a little bit over the weekend. So that's, 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 it's going to be tough. The weather's beautiful here. And even just to walk around, it's going to be very tempting not to, not to get out. All right. But what are the rules? The hockey writers are adhering to a, a tight protocol as, of course, the players will be once they get there and the coaches. Everybody involved in this is having to show discipline. You know, how, how tough is it on the writers? Well, they, uh, it, 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 we don't have a, a hub city, uh, golf simulators or uh, ping pong tables on roof patios or whatever else they're, they're going to have. We're supposed to stay in the room for 14 days. No uh, maid service or anything during that time. I, I probably should have uh, getting to the point now where I probably should have brought some air freshener. I'm just, just thinking. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's – and this hotel, you know, it is a pandemic. It's only like 25% capacity. And so uh, no room service. I'm, I'm doing everything I'm learning. I'm becoming a kind of a 21st century man, learning how to uh, use Uber Eats and, and all that for the, uh, for the food. So yeah, it's, it's pretty Spartan here so far. Well, see, that's a commitment we have here at the Post-Dispatch. You know, you thought it was tough, JT, going to Macomb to cover the Rams. But, you know, we did have that uh, karaoke bar and a few other places in Macomb. We couldn't yeah. get it was Macomb. It still smelled like corn and fertilizer, but. This is the next level of uh, dedication. Yeah, but, you know, it's not like I'm an army ranger or something flushing out uh, caves for the Taliban, you know, in, uh, you know, in the Afghanistan or, or anything. So uh, I, I can handle it for, for a few days, I think. I just wish well, there was a patio. <laughs> I wish your windows well, open. I think that's the uh, toughest part. You, you don't have a window that can open. Well, I have a window, but it's on the 11th floor, so I don't yeah, know if I want to open the window. You know, a gust of wind, it could be over for me. <laughs> Uh, we don't need that. Now, Tom, you've been keeping an eye on, uh, on the team uh, at practice uh, day in and day out as they get ready for the, uh, the move up to Edmonton. And uh, it seems like on balance, you know, every team's going through something. Every, everybody's missing somebody, injuries, uh, the odd uh, viral uh, infection. But uh, on balance, seems like the, the Blues are on track. It does. I mean, they, they've had, uh, you know, Vince Dunn has been out since the week, you know, last Thursday, the first Thursday of camp. Alexander Steen missed his second day of practice today, though Craig Ruby said there's no change. He's still day to day. And that's the one place, you know, if Steen were to be out, you know, the fourth line is the easiest place to slot in someone else as well as the fourth line has worked. Uh, you know, the top three lines where you, you know, more going on there, more complicated, more intricate, uh, all those guys have been there and have been healthy and, and the lines are coming together. You know, it's going to take a while for them to get back into the total flow of things, but um, you know, it's, it's starting to happen. I think Jane Schwartz said today, eh, we're still not where we want to be, but um, you know, the, the blues have time. It's, we're still a week away uh, next Wednesday for their first uh, ex their one exhibition game. And then as much as Craig Berube says, you know, we want to hit those, round robin games hard and we want to be ready for those they do have the luxury of having time on those until they get into the games that really matter when they get into their first elimination game uh, which will not be until 
you know, the, the second week of August uh, before that happens. Now, the one bit of news going in is speaking of the, of the checking role, guys, Ivan Barbashev had a well-timed uh, baby. Uh, it was on, you know, in terms of planning out when the baby's going to come. Perfect timing, except for the pandemic, which now <laughs> brings the arrival of said child right into the, the middle of the, the fun here. So uh, they've been preparing to uh, initially play without Ivan and you have more guys ready, which, you know, it turns out to be fortunate because you're also, you know, like you say, mentioning Alexander Steen might be a bit iffy early and uh, other things are going to pop up. So they've got multiple guys prepared to, uh, to play uh, in those bottom roles. And I guess Mackenzie McEachern was the guy that benefited the most uh, initially uh, from, uh, from Ivan's uh, situation. Yeah, you know, you know, normally if this is during the season and if someone's got to go home for the birth of a child, maybe they miss one game. But with the rules in effect now, he's going to miss probably a week. And so it depends on how many games he misses will depend on the timing. But Mackenzie McEachern, who played a lot of games this year, I mean, he, he got a lot of ice time, um, saw a lot of action. So it should be easier for McEachern uh, to step in because he's been there and he has done that. Um, so it's, you know, it's a different line with Steen, Sunquist, and McEachern, but uh, it's not as though they're bringing in someone who hasn't played much this year. So that should be a fairly easy transition for them uh, when Barbashev is out. And that's the line they've been using. Um, you know, Barubi has been planning ahead. And even though it's not the line he'll probably use in the first game, in practice you've seen uh, Steen, uh, Sunquist and McKecker, and even though we haven't seen it in practice, but they did special teams work today, so they went to work today anyway. Yeah, you uh, know, JT. sometimes these, uh, these, uh, oh, I just want to add, sometimes these day to day turn out to be a couple of weeks, so that's the only complication. If Steen's mm -hmm. out for a couple of weeks, Barbashev goes to have the, the baby, then you're looking at what? Pagansky, maybe Clem Costin being fortunate in a role, but it, it, it really Corey doesn't. Brower has got plenty of playoff experience. Uh, Brower, yeah. yeah, maybe Brower would be the first would be the first move because of his experience. I don't know, Tom. It doesn't feel like just kind of reading the tea leaves that this is that kind of thing, though. I you kind of get a feeling Steen will be back. Plus, once they start the round robin, they play August second, then they have three days off. They don't play again till August sixth, and then they have two more days off, August 9th, if if that's when the uh, the baby's arriving. And just to touch on Brower a bit more, you know, he, the chief likes him a lot, but as the way, the way the season played out and with all the depth they had it forward, the chief didn't have a whole lot of work for him as, yeah. as unfolded. So uh, yeah, he's got the experience, but uh, he's a guy I'm guessing they're going to want to get some, the exhibition game in and maybe a round Robin game just to scrape off some rust in case he's needed. It'd be interesting to see exactly what they do in that round Robin game, because uh, you, you, you got guys you want to get work, but you, there's only so many guys you can play, you know, and so uh, how do they, you know, in a normal preseason, you, when you have six or seven exhibition games, everybody can get a game. I don't know, you know, obviously there's one uh, in scrimmages. So how they are going to juggle that will be interesting to see. And I would think you almost have to go with what your game lineup is going to be so that everybody, uh, the who you expect to play in that first game, you have to play because you want to get them a game. Yeah, possible exception. Uh, maybe you work Allen into one of those round robins. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, otherwise, I think you, you need to go with your main guys. Now, you talked about the lines coming together nicely, and that, uh, you know, a couple things there with uh, one, Vladimir Tarasenko made a very good return, has jumped back into the mix. Uh, he's got chemistry with the guys. 
And then, uh, and then we mentioned uh, Sammy Blay being the Sammy Blay of training camp in early season versus the one that was struggling to come back from the wrist injury. So you really have an interesting array if everybody's healthy. Uh, that top nine is uh, is pretty impressive. It's it's a t- the type of top nine that few teams can uh, can match in terms of balance. Yeah, the top nine. You know, the 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 Blay spot, the spot alongside Thomas and Bozak was kind of the one variable uh, that might move around. Could they put Steen there? Could they put Blay there? Would one of the other guys make a run for it? But they gave Blay that spot from the start. Uh, he has been a very good fit on that line. He's having a great camp. Uh, he's scoring goals. He's being physical. He, he's making the plays they want to make him play. They want him to make. So he's doing great. So Blay has really staked that out. And with the other lines being fairly fixed, um, O'Reilly, Sanford, and Perron, uh, Schwartz, Shen, Tarasenko. Um, those are groups that have been together in the past and know what they're doing, and this other one is coming together. So the lines look to be uh, in pretty good shape, whether in the factor of you know who misses time because of injuries. And JT, when you talk about depth, that extends to the uh, to the power play when you're able to keep a very good first unit together and then put 91 in the second group that's got a ton of potential in terms of a combination of shooters and playmakers, at least on paper, it would seem like you could uh, construct um, an equally good second group once it gets clicking. And that's, that's a place the team hasn't been uh, in uh, for, for much of the season due to the, you know, injuries and shifting personnel. They started out the regular season, you know, way back when, a couple lifetimes ago, where they the, the idea was to give them equal time that there really wasn't a first unit and a second unit. And it just didn't work out that way. You remember Falk struggled and was replaced after a while. But I think the idea going in is, is that, uh, yeah, that you have a 1 and 1A one last season for most of the second half of the season. For a while, some games, that second group would, would get – like maybe 30 seconds, 35 seconds on, 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 on a two-minute uh, uh, power play. But they have the potential to really have balance. I think the other thing, Aaron, it's, it's, it's a subtle but, to me, a, a pretty interesting statement by uh, uh, Barubi uh, to, to, to Vladdy. Hey, we, we know what you can do. We love you. You're, 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 you're a top scorer. But uh, you're not just going to walk in here and go to the first unit. I, I think the first guys, the guys on that first uh, – unit it's 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 also a message to them kind of a tip of the cap that hey i don't care if he is vladimir tarasenko you guys did very well we finished the season third in the league in power play uh percentage so we're, we're going with the uh with the same unit i i i think they're they they were more unpredictable without uh, tarasenko on there uh, you know what the when Vladdy was there, it was like the, the, it was almost like you felt like they were compelled he's got to get his touches he's got to get his shots now I think defenses and, and, and opposing goalies are just – there's a little more uncertainty on, on, you know, who's going to get the puck, where the shot's going to come. And the power play, I mean, they still – they Vince Dunn, not on the power play. Justin Falk, not on the power play. Zach Sanford, not on the power play. So there, there are guys in reserve that have been crowded out. You would think, you know, would, Dunn has done well on the power play. Falk historically on the power play. And Sanford's been an offensive force, and none of those guys can fit into the group right now. And, you know, if you wanted to be ridiculous, you could have a third power play unit. Now, you probably want to, and the Chief won't do this, put Jordan Cairo in there somewhere. And then you could add Cairo, Sanford, the two, the two uh, 
defenseman not currently in the on the power play, and then maybe uh, uh, Sonny could could jump in there and stand in front of the mm -hmm. net. So I mean, you could actually have a third group uh, mm -hmm. with this team to just demonstrate uh, how, at least on paper, going in, uh, how many options the chief has. And but like you say, the chemistry has been so well established with that first group. There's only not much reason to to jerk around too too much with uh, at least with the power play. Now, Garter, you bring up Cairo. Uh, boy, it sure doesn't look like he's he's in the picture right now. Uh, obviously, he can change in a flash, but uh, uh, kind of a shame because we all know what he's shown. Uh, just intermediate flashes, but uh, yeah, that doesn't look like he's in the plans right now. Hey, Tom, I got to ask you. I got to say, I was marveling. I was watching uh, Jordan when they're doing a little bit of that compete drill on Tuesday. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a major you know life or death battle, but there was some board banging going on and. And God bless him, he was trying. You know, he had decided that in order to survive in that drill, he's got to lower his center of gravity as just as low as humanly possible to try to gain any sort of leverage. But, you know, given the fact that how important the cycle game is for the Blues and how that sort of work along the boards just comes naturally for some of the other guys in the, in the group up front, you know, the, the Shens and the, the Sammy Blay and, you know, Sonny's turned to be quite – turned into quite the physical player and, and – the Keckerin's a physical guy. There's a lot of sturdy guys along the wall. And so here's Jordan. He's trying. God bless him. He's crunching down. He's crunching down. He's trying to leverage. But uh, that's that's not how he's going to earn a spot on the team is on that drill. No. That's, that's not what – that's probably not the scouting report on Jordan Cairo. It's not what they're uh, looking at him uh, to do. But um, – more power to him if he if if he could, but uh, he's got uh, yeah he's gonna he's gonna make it more on the open ice on flying up the ice and uh, making things happen there. Now it does seem like you mentioned uh, that you like where the the group is um, when you're out there scrimmaging and you know it, killing penalties and all these things. I mean that that part the, the skill part can be tougher with the timing and the precision to come together. Uh, this group as far as what they do defensively, what they do on the kill, it's so ingrained with the group. Uh, it's so, um, it's become so second nature that it seems like going in to the, to this uh, unusual postseason, these guys are, are going to be tough to play against where, you know, where teams like Colorado have the skill, but not that sort of structure, you know, going in, at least you've got that structure. And, and these guys seem to, with the veteran leadership, I would expect from, from game one, they're going to, they're going to be fairly uh, tight. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, like, how are these games called? You know, how much uh, do the refs allow to happen? You know, it's, it's a different situation where there's, you know, the, the refs are in the bubble too. Um, how does that play out? How, how tightly are these games called? Uh, does it look like early season games? Or does it, do they go right into playoff mode where they allow people to hit? Um, you know, the, the defense, you know, we haven't seen done yet. Robert Bortuzzo has been in that spot. Nico Mikola looms in the background. Um, the Ruby has liked how he has looked in camp. Um, you know, even if, you know, we haven't seen done since the first two days. Can he play? How quickly can he play? Um, you know, Mikola is there. We could be seeing Nico Mikola uh, play in this postseason. I think that's very possible with all the uh, veteran guys they have. Uh, we could be seeing a rookie uh, jumping in with this team. I wonder, though, too. Will the Blues be able to go from zero to 60 in terms of hitting? I mean, they average it almost, I think it was 30 hits a game against Boston. They're, with the exception of Sammy Blay, and it's, it's not even uh, playoff or even regular season Sammy Blay in terms of the uh, 
of, of the contact. Uh, they, they haven't hit as much. Uh, uh, you know, you, uh, hitting is as much will uh, wanting to than anything else. Will they be able to uh, uh, to cook that up right away? And because it is, it is such an integral part of their game and, and how they grind down teams in a series. Yeah, it's one thing to have the balance and the structure and the support, which are all going to be there. But it's also the, the willingness to hit in that split second more of quickness uh, on it, on the puck. You know, just the um, the read, um, the feet, you know, the the combination, and again, the will to get there. Uh, those are important pieces where you, you want to swarm and pressure. You know, it's great that they can clog things up because they've got structure, but really they want to get in and sustain pressure. And that that takes so much. It takes so much work uh, to, to do that. Tom, what you, you see the tempo as far as the practices go, look fine. But like Craig was saying, the chief was saying, it's uh, practice scrimmages. They aren't games. Yeah, you know the the execution uh, we see in the scrimmages still not still not perfect. Uh, there's a lot, you know there there is definite room for improvement. Now, having not watched other teams' practices, I can only assume they're probably going through the same things right now. No team has had so much ice time during the break that. People have jumped out there and are ready to go. Um, so it will matter who can get to it more quickly. Um, uh, but they, you know, Chief wants them to hit. That's uh, something they're going to need to do because uh, that is that is the Blues. Now you start looking around the uh, the rest of the conference. Um, you know, how do you? What kind of a competition level? Uh, how much energy do you expect uh, in the um, you know the playing round with teams? some teams that didn't expect to have a chance to, to be there, getting a chance to be there. I think some will be ex more excited than others. Like I think like the Minnesota mm -hmm. wild might be a real dangerous team. Uh, kind of that they were trending towards uh, playing really well under a new coach after Boudreaux gave away to Everson. But um, it's hard to, for me to, to gauge some of these teams, you know, like Chicago, does Chicago really want to be there? Mm -hmm. um, you know, Taze and Kane do and, and Keith, but, they're in a rebuild and, you know, Edmonton's got those dynamic two lines, but is that really a playoff team? Vancouver's early in the process. Calgary played, you know, kind of, kind of crappy all year, underachieved. Do they grab this second chance and, and run with it? I mean, we know what the top teams in the West look like. I just want to kind of get you guys, each of you guys to talk about, you know, what else you see in the, the conference. Yeah, I think it's a, it's just another layer of what's the great unknown. I mean, it, especially since everyone's starting from uh, kind of from uh, from scratch here. And uh, I think after a while, uh, if you're in a slump, the t teams start to feel, well, this is who we are, you know? And uh, there's none of that entering this. It, it's such a fresh slate. And I, I think another thing, you need uh, teams, and I, I think the Blues are really a team like this with maturity. Once they're here for a while, and, and maybe this goes beyond the playoff playing around, but are some of these players, especially like these single players, as they're, as they're here two, three weeks, are they, are they saying, God, I, do they really want to be here? I mean, it, it is a little bit of a, a sacrifice to, to, to be up in this, uh, in this bubble. So how much, uh, I, a lot of it will be, it seems we want to be here and we want to make something of this. And I think maybe some, some minds will, uh, will wander after a while. In a best of five series, it doesn't take much to get in a hole you can't get out of. You come out with two bad games to start, you're, you're almost done. So, you know, it's, that's going to be, you know, something the Blues don't have to worry about because they'll jump in when it's best of seven. But in best of five, 
I mean, that can be, those series can be decided really quick. And so, yeah, if you're a team like Chicago and you're down two to nothing, like, well, okay, you know, <laughs> be back home in, in a couple of days. Uh, it can, it, those series can be decided uh, pretty early on. The first game in all of those series is going to be really important. Now, I don't think this would happen, but let's just say somehow the Hawks did fall behind right away. Two bad games or down two games. The Stan Bowman say, uh, you know, <laughs> should we? You know, we got a one in eight chance of getting a, a real game breaker here. Then one more game, young game breaker to go with what we've got. We could really get back over the hump before we lose Kane and Taste. You know, call down. Who's the worst goal? Who's the worst goaltender? <laughs> probably Malcolm Subban. Can we just go ahead and run with him and mm-hmm. you know, hope for the worst? I mean, it's you got to think about that. It's a one in eight shot. Or maybe yeah, throw a defenseman. Maybe throw a defenseman back there and goal. Say our goalies are sick. We don't know what's wrong. With yeah, you know. No, it's it's, it's something. I mean, you know, players. You know, the players don't care about the draft pick. They're not going to. You know, the players aren't going to say, "Oh gosh, I hope we get a top draft draft pick next year." Maybe, maybe the elite guys who know they're safe do. But everyone else is like, "You know, I'm playing for my job, not somebody else's job." But yeah, it, it, there are there are options there as to. Uh, you know, tanking is something, you know, that the NHL lottery has eliminated. But in situation, yeah, it's a 12% chance. That's, you know, the Blackhawks are going to be thinking, we're, we're not winning the Stanley Cup, you know, you know from that point. So who knows what, what happens there. So you look at the power teams, and obviously everybody respects Colorado because if they get organized, uh, two goalies, for the first time all year, they've got all their players, at least – you know, for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, in theory, that that's why I think the, the Avalanche, Stan Kroenke's Iceman, seemed like um, a pretty sexy choice for mm-hmm. uh, this thing. And um, you do have to respect Nathan McKinnon, uh, Miko Ratnan, and the rest of these guys, uh, Landis Cog and you know, Eric Johnson and uh, Kale McCarr, all these guys. I mean, um, I, I guess that's the team you fear going in and everything we've seen so far. I think he'll miss a little practice time. It looks like they're on practice on, on schedule. That would seem to be the team to fear. Yeah, they seem to be the uh, choice. And they have, uh, they had a pretty good off season getting those, uh, you know, the maybe top nine guys or, or bottom six guys. And so they have more depth than they've, uh, than they've had before. And uh, I'll be very curious to see, assuming it's Bennington in the first round Robin game, he got, he got shelled in the, the last two games. Now, they were both up at the Pepsi Center, but, uh, you know, he got pulled in one, and, and uh, uh, his numbers aren't, aren't, aren't good against him, although he played well earlier, the two wins in St. Louis. So I think that could be a statement game for St. Louis and for Bennington. Hey, we're, we're not the team that you pushed around up in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Denver. Yeah, I think the West is, is really a crapshoot. I mean, you got – you know, you got four teams in which they all have some strengths, and it's whichever you know non-strength clicks in most. Um, you know, it, does Vegas get the goaltending out of Flurry that they that they need that they haven't gotten at times this year? Uh, Dallas has the goaltending. Do they get the other stuff uh, that they need uh, to get through? It's it's really going to be uh, it's going to be tough to see. It'd be inter- fascinating to see, but it's going to be a. a, a a crapshoot as to which comes through. And fortunately, uh, those teams won't be playing each other in the first round. Maybe we may conceivably after that, but um, so they'll all get through to that. So we'll see. I mean, cause that's, that's going to be, that's a tough, tough 
decision for me to make as to what team is going to come out of that group. Colorado looks the best. They've been playing the best. But, you know, after four months, who knows what we're going to see. And then, then you've got teams like uh, you got teams like Arizona and Vancouver who have really given the Blues problem, especially uh, uh, Arizona. So, uh, it, yeah, it's just it, – to me, it's just totally unpredictable. Yeah, Phil Kessel could decide he wants to play too. And, you know, he's been <laughs> kicking himself as best he can um, with all that extra weight he's got on him to, uh, to play better. And, but that, you know, that's a well-coached team that has good goaltending and has the potential to be way more explosive than it's been. I mean, Taylor Hall can do more. Kessel can do more. Uh, Clayton Keller our, from our town can do more. I mean, they've got a lot of firepower on that team that wasn't as evident during the course of the year. And then again, Vancouver, you mentioned, you know, uh, yeah, Pedersen, who's a tremendous number one center, uh, maybe the best number two center in the in all of hockey, and Bo Horvat, uh, Markstrom, when he's been available, has been a pretty pretty good goaltender, giving them uh, some quality effort. Don't like their defense as much, but they can certainly. Uh, but it's a well coached team, and uh, it's in their heading in the right direction. Brock Besser's healthy, which he hasn't been in a while. They add Tyler Toffoli, that made that team better. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you can start making cases. Again, I mentioned the Wild. They, they played better after the coaching change. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kevin Tiel has played real well for that. Yeah, yeah. I think all fired up about their squad as, as well here, and I don't know if there was any merit to it, but uh, they did make some trade deadline deals, and, and so they, they've, got, they've got a little bit uh, more depth, and they've got the young prospect, Broberg, who's, who's, who, who looks like he, he has a chance to get some time. And so uh, – uh, who knows? Maybe they'll they'll have a little bit of an advantage playing in their hometown. I don't know. Yeah, I was talking, you know, to hockey analytics guys, and there's, you know, in the East, Montreal, which wouldn't have made the playoffs, had almost zero chance of even making the playoffs if it had been a normal season, is it's got a, a very good chance coming out of the East. They've had good underlying numbers all year on what they've done. You know, if they're a team that could go on a roll if you know they get the goaltending they need, and they got a goaltender who could do it. You know, so you could see some really unexpected things, I think, in this postseason. And one of the, uh, you know, one aspect of the unpredictability, guys, and it's a little different this year, I think, than most, and part of it, the circumstances of the, the pandemic, but just the way the season broke. A lot of these playoff teams, you know, don't have a, an established number one. You know, Montreal's got Carey Price, of course. The Blues have Jordan Bennington. I think Tuka Rask will play the bulk of the games if his hand's okay for Boston, obviously. Uh, He's been prepared for that. Vasilevsky's a, the workhorse in Tampa. But, boy, you know, Robin Lehner could end up goaltender for the Golden Knights. The Avalanche have used both guys. Uh, Calgary could use both guys. Uh, Edmonton could use both guys. Dallas uh, could use or, both guys. Yeah, but Dallas, with the, the way Kudobin's played, could use both guys. Uh, you know, you look at New York who's trying to decide between three guys. Uh, you know, toss up. Toss up between uh, Jari and uh, and Matt Murray and, and Pittsburgh, a really good team, but you know uh, neither guy's been number one. You know, Holtby's supposed to be number one in uh, Washington, but you know Samsonov's been better, and Holtby could be gone after this year. So, yeah, I, I, you know, in terms of unpredictability, the Blues are one of the teams that feels good about goal. They got a good backup, but they have their number one. You look around, man, we could see uh, different goaltenders from game to game. <laughs> Which you teams. never see in the playoffs. I mean, that's the yeah. one in the playoffs. You take one goalie, he goes until, you know, he steps in front of a bus. So, yeah, they, <laughs> but we could see in situations like this, teams that got two guys, use them. Yeah, and you could, you know, you make a decision and you, you don't have much uh, 
uh, much runway. If you make the bad decision, boop, you could be uh, breaking out the golf clubs. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, in terms of uh, the, the trying to put the final pieces together for creating this, um, this competitive um, environment, uh, JT, what have you uh, what have you gleaned from? Uh, I know they're trying to make the guys as comfortable as possible, trying to make their access to and from the arena as safe as possible, trying to create comfort for coaches and lounges and such. But in terms of actually playing the games, um, you know, you're pumping in fans, noise. You're you're going to try to create atmosphere. Um, you know, what's your guess? What, what what's the level of optimism in, in JT? Because this is this is new territory. You've watched hockey. You know how much going to those rinks. For a game, what that means, you go to Nashville for a game. What does that mean? You know, you go up to Toronto for a game or New York. I mean, it's it's or Winnipeg with the whiteout. What do you think? I mean, uh, level of optimism that these guys are going to be able to get jacked up when they they step out of the ice in the bubble. Well, they, they they wouldn't be in this league if they weren't competitive. So once they get out there, they could be playing in their backyard and it's competitive. But I'll never forget, at least as a not as a spectator, but my first because I've seen some Blues. Uh, in my younger days, playoff games as a spectator, but I'll never forget my uh, really probably top 25 of sports memories, being in Winnipeg for the whiteout, game one of that series, all the abuse Jordan Bennington was getting before game one and during game one and thinking, wow, this is playoff hockey. Look at this atmosphere. They can't come. I, I don't care how many, uh, you know, blues fans they have chanting, let's go blues and recording them. You're, you, you can't replicate that that atmosphere. So it's another one. This is the playoffs of the great unknown. And it's another great unknown. How, how will they respond to all this? And is five seconds a big enough uh, tape delay if Craig Berube's uh, mic'd up on the bench? Yeah. Home ice, you know, home ice, I think 55% uh, you, you win at home. Um, that's not going to be there. It's, you know, Korean baseball <laughs> has shown that playing an empty in empty stadiums, there was no home field advantage. Um, so that's something that could be, you know, you won't, you know, refs won't be intimidated on calls, you know, refereeing bias, which is, which always favors the home team uh, research shows, you know, will that be there? Will the home team get more calls? Uh, how will that play out? Um, you know, that's one thing that we'll, we'll have to see. Could the league just hire like 20 guys to, come up and bang on the glass during the game, too. I missed that element. Yeah. Just that bang, 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 bang. Maybe the extras, like the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, they're the going to take, what is it, 31 players? Maybe you could have the extras yeah. just bang on the glass for each team, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're in there on the four check and you're trying to, you're trying to you know, melt the other team down the way the Blues did to the Sharks, it'd be good to get them back in their corner and have guys yeah, banging Derek on Pouliot, the glass. Derek uh, down there uh, banging the glass, you know? Or? yeah. I got to say, the fact that, I mean, we're recording this on Thursday, that the fact that we are, it's so close. I mean, I, I would, that so little has happened during this training camp all around the league that we have not seen widespread positive tests. It's, it's pretty impressive because once they get to the bubble, because we've seen it with Major League Soccer and the NBA, they've had like zero positive tests once they got settled uh, in the bubble. So it's, you know, it's that close. I mean, for all we know, the league is backed up on exams and, you know, they haven't run tests for the, for a week or something, but we're almost there. I, it's, it's truly amazing that, you know, where we are right now. Yeah. Three, three weeks ago was, this was all starting to spike in the U S I thought, uh, no way, but, uh, 
Edmonton, they went two weeks, fellas, two weeks during this without a single positive test in the entire. And it's, it's not like a little bird here. I mean, it's 1.3 million people, not, not as big as uh, St. Louis area, two weeks without a positive test. So I, I think they have a pretty high degree level of comfort. And like I said, I'm, I'm surprised we're here. I, we're we're going to see hockey. Well, on that note, and we're thankful for that because after four months of, uh, you know, God bless you guys for tracking down all the, uh, the former blues to see how they're doing. I was great to hear about Garth Butcher doing so well um, up in uh, the great Northwest. It, it, that, it was all fun to get caught up with all the guys, but they actually have games to talk about practices to talk about. It sure is exciting. So I want to thank uh, Jim Thomas up in Edmonton and under quarantine. He's got to, got to get to another tuna sandwich. We'll look forward to your, uh, not only your, uh, your stories in the post dispatch and online and on uh, stltoday.com, but also your uh, tales of your adventure of, uh, in quarantine. Uh, and Tom, as always, uh, thanks for, for coming on board. And we're looking forward to Tom Timmerman getting a haircut. Uh, yes. so, Maybe so. next week. Maybe next week. So there you go. We've all gotten, we've all soldiered through this thing. We appreciate Tom. We appreciate JT. We appreciate our readers and our listeners. Uh, for JT, for Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been Netfront Presence. Until next time, see ya.